Uh, there's a social theory that's out there, or used to be out there, called six degrees of separation. Uh, it was offered by this theorist that believed that, uh, that any two people on the face of the planet were connected or, or, could, or would know each other by six different uh, people they knew. Like, I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and you could know anybody in the world. That's changed with the advent of social media. Now it is believed that there's only three degrees of separation uh, between people, any two people on the face of the planet. That uh, as you know people or have contacts with people on social media, that you could somehow be connected with almost anyone else on the face of the planet. As you may know, I'll give you an example. I have a, a picture of a young man um, I, that I'm an avid Clemson fan, as you may know. Um, and uh, I have a pastor friend through the BRN, through the Baptist Resource Network, who used to serve as a men, uh, as youth minister. And one of the youth he, he uh, mentored while he was a youth minister is now the defensive coordinator, uh, Wes Goodwin, for the Clemson Tigers. So on Memorial Day when I was away, I got invited to a picnic to have lunch with the defensive coordinator for Clemson. And so one friend who happened to know this friend, and I'm connected well, just this week, this young man here uh, is Gideon Davidson, uh, the young man in the Clemson t-shirt. He is a highly recruited uh, running back, and he just committed to Clemson uh, for the 2025 uh, season. Interestingly, as soon as he did that, my friend Tom Schweitzer, who is the pastor at Grace Baptist in Curlsville, goes, hey, my roommate's brother just committed to Clemson. And so he had to let me know. And so just three, you know, I know Tom, Tom knows his brother. Who, know, who is the brother of Gideon? Three degrees of separation. Uh, so it's kind of interesting how that happens. Today we're going to be talking about the topic of holiness. And really the base idea of holiness is separation. How many degrees of separation is between a follower of Christ and the world in which we live in? Holiness means be separated, set apart to serve God. And uh, so that's kind of our topic today as we talk about how many degrees of separation uh, we are in our dedication to Christ. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here. It is good to be back home. Uh, certainly feel safer here uh, than on the road. And uh, if you don't know, you don't know. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to, uh, where are we going to turn to? Deuteronomy chapter 10 where we're going to end up getting to today as we talk about what it means, what holiness is, and, and uh, what it is to be separated unto the Lord. Um, I did have a, a full-fledged miracle happen this week while I was gone, um, and I, report, I told my class that I would report that to you guys um, so that y'all would know that full-fledged miracles continue to happen. Um, I had to do a presentation to the class I was in. And uh, because of the way the scheduling worked, we had 27 minutes before lunchtime. And my uh, professor asked me, do you think you can get it done in 27 minutes? And I said, I, I believe I can. And so I got up, and 27 minutes later, I said my last word and walked down to the second. So it can be done. <laughs> Just doesn't happen often. So full-fledged miracle. I told them I, that y'all wouldn't believe that that's how I can really get things done that quick, but I did. Um, so uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12, actually through 21 is what we're going to look in. If you have your manual, uh, page 26, as we continue to work through our 3D disciples uh, um, idea. Um, 
we're well into 3D disciples now, and so we're starting to get to that place where we can start to put pieces together and see how the whole fits together. In chapter 1, we were looking at the ingredients that establish a right relationship with God, which culminates in what we call salvation by its various names. And this whole idea about being in a right relationship, so living righteous or living in a right relationship with God. Chapter 2 builds on that um, because now that we have a spiritual life or now that we're right with God, we, have been, we were dead and we're now alive. So we have this, we're spiritually alive after, after salvation. And I think it's better to say we now have a spiritual life or a spiritual self that we're in charge of taking care of. Much like we take care of our physical self, we now have a spiritual being that's alive and breathing and, and growing and, and the, the responsibility to, to take care of that. Um, and so chapter 2 is about what that life is and how to nurture and make that spiritual self better. Galatians 2, chapter 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up to me. So there's this life in Christ in me that's living and hopefully growing and maturing and, and showing itself to the rest of the world. And just to remember, remind ourselves that, that this is the, the really the, the whole aim of the 3D disciple journey is to become a living, breathing, functioning representation of Jesus in the world, to, to live as Christ in the world. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's, that's really the, the kind of the goal of what we're trying to develop as 3D disciples. And so I want to talk a little bit about what it means, what holiness is uh, we're going to end up with what holiness is, but I kind of want to get there first and, and just kind of point out uh, as we think about holiness, um, that holiness is part of our identity. So last week, Scott preached on identity, who we are in Christ. Um, and he and I were discussing that this morning, and that really needs about three other sermons just to talk about identity in Christ because identity and our self-identity and who we see ourselves are is, is extremely, extremely important. Um, and, the, and the fact of the matter is people who struggle with their identity or how they identify themselves or if they identify themselves incorrectly, it really causes struggle and, and hardship in their lives when people misunderstand who they are or they identify themselves wrongly or by the wrong set of facts. Um, Scott gave us a good definition which encompasses all that we are, how we are, our nature, how we were raised, our nurture, as well as all that we've experienced in life. And you put all that together and, and that's who we are. Um, and part of our identity is, is our self-identity, how we see ourselves, right? Um, and, and the truth of the matter is, it can and I think often does, we see ourselves differently than the way other people see us, Right? And so we can struggle. Understanding who we are is really, is really, really difficult. Um, I had a conversation with a gentleman this week. I got a chance to go and uh, spend a couple of days uh, kind of relaxing and doing some fishing at the ocean. And I, met a, made, a, I made a buddy, made a peer buddy. Um, and uh, he and I hung out and fished for two days. And he was telling me about one of his daughters who, uh, who, who struggles with anorexia. And she sees herself as this overweight person. She weighs 95 pounds. And she can't walk anymore. And, 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 you know, and, they, and her family is begging her, you know, 
how you see yourself, how you identify yourself is not how you are. You know, we see you completely different. And, uh, and we understand that's, you know, that's kind of a, a, a disease that people have to struggle with. But, but it's a disease of identity. It's really what it is. Her, she's identified herself incorrectly. And it's causing terrible, terrible pain in her and her family just because she doesn't have that right self-perception of who she is. And so understanding that holiness is part of our identity. It is who we are. Whether we understand it or accept it, it's just like this young lady. You are unhealthy, but not because you're overweight. <laughs> it's you, you, you've got a different, you've got a wrong perception of yourself. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. I'm just going to read this one to you. Actually, it's 1 Peter 2, 9. I just want you to understand that as we address holiness, this is part of who we are. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the key words there, you are. You are this. There's four different identities there. A chosen race, a royal priesthood. We think that's why even in our church you've seen other people baptizing other people, right? You know, it's not just me baptizing because we're all priests. We're all ministers. Whatever you think a minister should be doing in this world, that's what you're supposed to be doing because we're all priests, right? We're all uh, chosen people of God. We're all a holy nation. We're all holy. We're a holy group of people that God has set apart for him. And then it goes on, and we are his own possession. But, but one of those identities we have, we are holy. Now, the fact of the matter is, this is the truth. You're holy. How many of you feel holy? Because the truth of the matter is, we can act like what we aren't. <laughs> But, but we have to have the same perception of this is what I am, not dependent upon how I act. And, and, and I see a lot of people who just identify themselves, and I think sometimes they do it trying to be humble. You know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, it's true, you were a sinner, right? But God redeemed you. God transformed you. God regenerated you. And you're now a holy saint of God. You're a child of God. You know, and, and what identity we latch onto will affect how we live. Again, like my example, this young lady is attached to the wrong identity and it wrongly affects, it greatly affects how she lives. And so the idea of identity, I just wanted to mention this briefly because Right now in our world, identity issues is probably one of the most hot button topics that are out there. And it can, extreme, it can be very, very extreme from people who are identifying who they are as a person, as well as people who identify with, this is my job, this is my success, this is my position. And they, the identity can be a crisis on a very, very wide spectrum. But for Christians... Our identity needs to be found in who God says we are. Not how we identify ourselves, but how God has identified us. And one of those identities is you are holy. You're set apart. You're separate for me. And that's a very important starting point. 
Second thing I want us to understand about holiness before you really get into trying to understand a little bit of what holiness is. Holiness is God's desire or calling for us. This is what God wants for us, holiness. Uh, I, I get asked this question quite often. This is a popular thought within in, in the world. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Frankly, I am not sure God's really ultimately concerned about our happiness. I know He's concerned about our holiness. Now, the backside of that is when we're holy and we're separated to God, we find out that happiness usually follows that real, true, as God intended happiness. But, but too many people are, are looking at their happiness and not their holiness. And I want to read to you from another Old Testament verse. And I just want you to hear the weight of these verses. This is Leviticus chapter 20, starting with verse 22. It says, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and my rules and do them, and the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. You shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I am driving out before you, for they do all these things, and therefore I have attested them. That's the idea of holiness there. You're not going to do what everybody else does. You're going to be different. You're going to be separate from the other people in the land in which you live. Right? Verse 4 of 24. But I have said to you, you shall inherit the land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. I'm the one who made you holy, right? I've separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean, the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything which crawls on the ground, ground on which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold and be clean. Verse 26, you shall be holy to me, for I am the Lord am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. God's desire for us is for us to be separated, dedicated to Him, right? That's what He wants. He wants a relationship, a committed, dedicated relationship with us. This whole verse is repeated in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, but, you, but he who has called you is holy. You shall be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So when it comes to that question, you know, does God want me to be happy? The real answer to that is God is. God is everything we need. God will take care of us. God loves us. And when we focus on being separated to God, what does the, the, the New Testament say? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and everything else is going to be added to you. So yes, God wants us to be happy, but He wants us to be happy the way He says, <laughs> the ways that's best for us. Um, and that's by being relationship to Him. The whole idea of this, this holiness that God desires. How many of you have ever heard of the term Holy matrimony. That's an old-fashioned term. We just call it marriage these days. Like, right? But marriage used to be referred to as holy matrimony. And the holy part of that is the idea of separation, of dedication, of commitment. Here's an old-fashioned I do statement. I promise to love and cherish you in good times and bad, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, and forsaking all others, keep myself only to you. 
for so long as we both shall live. And it's that forsaking all others and keeping myself only to you, that's what makes marriage holy, right? I separate myself only to you. I forsake all others except for you. I'm dedicated. I'm committed. You are my one and only. And that's God's desire for us as his people, to be this holy people, this set-apart people. That's our identity. That's what God wants. But what I really want to kind of dig into today in some more detail is, so, you know, holiness is part of our identity. It is God's call or desire for our life. But what is it? What is holiness? I mean, we've talked about separation. A lot of people think holiness as perfection, you know, like I do everything right. And the more right I do, the holier I am. And when I do bad, I'm less holy. Uh, It's not really behavioral based. I I think there's a more uh, deeper understanding of that. It certainly comes out in our behavior. And so I want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10. And we're going to walk through verses 12 through 21. The word holiness is not used in the scripture, but I think this describes for us what holiness is. So, so holiness as described in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 21. So we're going to walk through those verses to begin with. Verses uh, 12 through 13, I believe. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So it starts off with this idea of of God's calling the people of Israel to himself. He's like, okay, I've set you aside. I want to have this exclusive, holy relationship with you and you alone. I've picked you, right? This is what I want. And so let me describe, if you're going to be my people, if you're going to be dedicated to me, if you're going to be holy, If you're going to be wholly mine, right, H-O-L-E-Y, wholly mine, then here's what that's going to look like. And so he starts off with with what I would say, that holiness is really attention to God, first of all. That that it's thinking about God, it's contemplating God. If you were to ask yourself this question, how often in a day do you think about God? Let's say you're awake 12 hours. That, that once every six hours you think about God, once every hour of your waking hour you consider God or think about God or how wonderful He is, do you do about it every half hour? Or do you like, well, I think about Him in the morning when I get up and I think about Him at night when I go to bed. And if anything bad happens in between, I'll think about Him then. But other than that, I'm kind of busy and got things to do and, you know, life happens and that kind of idea. And so really holiness is first just being attentive and setting our attention on God. You know, another way to ask that question is how concerned are we with God? How much space does he take up in our brain? And not just who he is, but what he wants and, and what our relationship was like him, and, and how I can make that better. How much headspace does he get? How much attention does God get from me? And so he, he lays out a whole list of things that kind of bring God into our attention. The first he says, You're going to, uh, here's what I want you to fear the Lord. 
Number one, verse 12. Uh, what does he require of you? To fear the Lord, which is basically to respect God, which is reverence, by the way. So now we can start to put some of our manual together. If you want to understand reverence, I would encourage you to turn back to page 30, where you did an in-depth study on what it means to respect God and to revere God. And again, like we even said back then, everything with God always starts with reverence. And so the first thing he said, I want from you, number one, fear the Lord, revere me, respect me, right? My power, my position, my holiness, my separation from you, and my awesomeness or the awe that I have. And so that's the first thing. So, so respect, so we start to turn our attention to God and think about just how awesome, wonderful, magnificent He is. See, people who aren't dedicated to the Lord, they don't think about those things. They don't care about those things. Many of them deny that those things even exist, deny that He exists. But a holy people go, this God is awesome. They, they sit in their, in their sunroom like I did yesterday and watch this six-point buck walk 20 feet from my door and just stand there and watch and amaze. And like uh, the whole family gathered around and we're just standing there going, look how beautiful this thing is. I was like, yeah, imagine how beautiful he's going to be come September, October, November, opening day. But I'm awestruck by creation each and every day. I, I take time to think about the God who made those things, right? He gets my attention, and I, I pay attention to Him. The, sec the second thing He says is, I want you to fear the Lord. I want you to walk in my ways, right? It simply means to emulate God, you know? I see within myself, and sometimes I cringe when I say, hear myself saying, things my father said, right? Like, that's the same thing my dad said, and I used to hate it when he said that, right? Now I'm saying it. Now I'm doing it. Now I'm, I, I'm emulating him, right? I'm walking in his ways, right? You, you, just, you just like your daddy. You walk the way he did. You, and now as I get older and I have the same arthritis that my father has, I find out that I literally walk the way he did, right? And so this whole idea of walking in His ways simply means to emulate God. How does God behave in the world? And for me to do that, I've got to pay attention, right? For God so loved the world, well, maybe I should love the world, right? For God sacrificed, well, maybe I should sacrifice. And it's all this idea of behaving and acting like He did. This, you have to concentrate on Him. The next one, He says, to love Him. He wants us to, to love Him. And I put the word himself there because here's the question, and here's the real rub with loving God, right? If I asked you if you loved God, I would almost guarantee you I would hope that it would be pretty near 100% of people raise their hand in here, right? The real rub is do we love God for himself or do we love God because of what he can do for us? See, there's a, there's a difference in those two types of love. Do, do I love God just for who He is? And if all He ever promised me is that you can be mine and I will be yours. You know, He didn't make all kind of extravagant promises of eternal life. That, that while you live, I will be with you and you will be with me. And, and, and all you're going to get is me. Would that be enough? Do we love him simply for who he is himself, or do we love God because of what he can do for us? 
You know, there's, that's kind of two types of loving. And, and I'll admit, I've seen this development in my life. When I was younger, when I was less mature, my idea of love, and, and this is really popular within the world, is, is it's a love of receiving, right? We, we pursue relationships with other people, right? We want to love them because we think about how good my life's going to be if that person will love me in return, what they can give to me. They, they will affirm me. They will take care of me. They will look out for me. I, I will be cherished in their eyes. And, and it's a love of receiving, right? And, 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 and we really care about those people, and, and we really love them because of what they do for us, because they, they, they do affirm me, and they, they, they make me feel good, and, and, and they, they admire me, and, and they're on my side, and they're my best friend, and it's just so good for me, and I just love them for how much they love me. Hopefully, and, and I believe this is true, and y'all can ask Shelly to confirm or, or, or deny, um, that as we have been married now and as I have matured, I hope I'm transferring into more of a love of giving, right? That it's not about what I receive. It's about what I can do, what I can give, how, how I can affirm, how I can sacrifice, how I can make it about them and not about me. Those are two different types of love relationships. And much of our world is caught up with the idea of being love as what I can get instead of love what I can give. And the love that Christ displayed was all giving love, right? That he gave himself for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's wholly focused on the other person. And if we're going to love as Christ, if we're going to have agape love, it's going to be the love of giving, much more than the love of receiving. And, and so when it even comes to our love of God, how much of our time and our thought and our energy is how can I give to God? How can I give to God? You know, there's a very popular phrase that's, or it's been popular for some time. It's called name it and claim it theology, right? And that's all about, well, what can God give me? What promises has God given to me? What promises have God made to me? What do I need to name and claim that God's offering to me? Yes, God, love me, love me, love me. Instead of us going, how can I love you? How can I sacrifice for you? How can I give unto you? How can I deny myself for you? What can I give up for you? Because I love you and don't need anything more from you than you've already given to me. Right? And so that's what he's calling us to love too. That's holy love, thinking about God in that kind of depth. Then the next one, love him and to serve God, right? That, that's why we're here, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. We've talked about this before, and so I'll try to briefly mention this. Why are we here today? Are we here for God, or, or, or it, and is it all about Him, or are we here to see what God can do for us? Same kind of idea, but even in our service, our dedication, while we show up at church, I'm here for you and you alone. It's a, it's a turn of our attention from ourselves to a, being attentive of God and finally, the fifth one, the, first, the fifth kind of uh, focus on God is, and to keep His commandments and His statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding today for your good. That's verse 13. Simply put, obedience to God. 
And if you want to see what obedience is all about, you can turn to page 37 in your manual where we did a fairly in-depth study on obedience, right? And so we start to see these ideas of being holy and separated to God. They're connected. And for me, in a lot of my life, these parts of the Bible were these little individual parts. Like there's the Ten Commandments over here, right? And there's the Beatitudes over here. And there's the instructions to the Hebrews over here. And, and there's all these pieces and parts and like, okay, well, we're going to study the Sermon on the Mount today, and that's the teachings of Jesus. Are we going to, we're going to study the Ten Commandments. Are we going to look at the life? But they all fit together. And so obedience and all those parts of our salvation, they, they come apart as us being a holy people now, a separate people. And so putting those together. Now, the interesting verse about verse 13 if you're looking there, to keep the commandments of the statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Now, how often do we think about the commands of God being for our good? See, that's where we get wrong with holiness sometimes and being separated from God. We think about this is kind of God putting rules on us and kind of putting regulations on us. And, you know, there's these things I want to do, but God's just denying me. God's just telling me no, 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 no. And I'm, but I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this. And God's going, no, no, no. Well, if you're going to be holy, you've got to take all the no's. And you get none of the yeses. And, Jesus, and God points out to the people, he goes, look, what I'm telling you to do this is for your good. This is for your good. And especially if we think about that spiritual life that's living inside of us, this is good for the spiritual us. That God knows the best way to grow and strengthen and fashion our spiritual life for all eternity. And that's what he's looking out for. And so when he gives us commands and we're obedient to that, we're, we're trusting that God knows best for us. So those are some of the ways that we focus on God and we respect him, we emulate him, we love him, we serve him, and we obey him. That's all has to be focused on God. So our mind is now set apart, is holy, because we're thinking about God. We're focusing on God. We're giving God the attention he deserves. And so that's part of what being holy is. I'd like for you to also, so verse 14 goes on, says, Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all people, as you are this day. I want you to understand that this holiness that God's called us to is a gift of God. Verse 14 says, He to the Lord belongs heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart on you, your fathers, and chose their offspring above all people. That this idea of being set apart for God is not a burden. It is a blessing that God has chosen us to have this relationship with. That God chose the Hebrews uh, before they deserved it. He chose to die for his creation. And, and to be set apart for him is an honor, it is a blessing, is a good thing, and not a burden. You think about the, the tools when God made tools for the worship in the tabernacle. He made, he made, he made tongs. And there were other tongs that were made, and there were bowls, and there was other bowls made. But these were special. They were set aside. They were holy unto him. And they were used for one thing, 
worshiping him. And that would have been, those, those instruments, those holy instruments would have been revered. They would have been admired. That like, There's something special because God set them apart. And that's who we are. Not because we've earned it. Because God has blessed us with his holiness and asked us to dedicate ourselves and be separated to him. What a blessing to be in that special relationship with God. Verse 16, he goes on then to tell the people, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. So after he's laid out what he wants for them, that he's chosen them, he's blessed them by calling them to be his holy people, he tells them to to circumcise their hearts. Now, as you know, the Hebrews circumcised their body to show separation from the other nations, that this was a sign of holiness, that this let the other people, like, these people are different than everybody else, right? They set themselves physically apart from the world as as a holy act. The problem was... Uh, or often is, is that, that um, we, they were doing outward things and not inward things. He goes, you know, more than the circumcision decision of your body, you need to circumcise your heart, right? And so holiness is really an issue of the heart and the will. No, don't be stubborn anymore. Stop doing your own thing. Stop thinking only about yourself, right? Uh, deal with your inner person, The problem is you can do a whole lot of religious stuff and still not be separated to God. You can come to this church every Sunday and be no more holy, no more separated, no more segregated from the world than anybody else. One of the problems that a lot of people in the world have is they know people who go to church every Sunday, right? They read their Bible every day, or at least they report that they do. They report to the world all their religious duties, but the rest of the world goes, but when it comes down to it, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, you're no different than the rest of us. I see you doing all the same things I do. I see you in the same places that I go. I I, I see you, uh, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't know. But it's because you tell me that, that, there's, that you go to church or whatever. You tell me about your religious duties. That's the only way I know about it. I never would have guessed if you hadn't told me. Right? And that's the same problem Jesus identifies with the Pharisees in the New Testament. In, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, he's correcting the Pharisees. The most religious people probably that may have ever lived on the face of the planet. The Pharisees. I mean, when it came to religion... I don't know anybody's ever been better, right, to doing religious duties and being religious folks. And he goes, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. All right, and that's what he says to, to these religious folks. Like, you do all the right stuff, except for your heart is not set apart to me. Your heart is not holy. That inner you is still fully on with the world. And so holiness really is this heart issue that we have to address. Holiness, verse 17, for the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So this is who God is. Verse 19 goes on, 
Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. And I think what God is reporting to these people, because here's what happens. And I think the Israelites struggled with this, right? They're like, we're God's chosen people. God chose us above all people in the world. God likes us better than you, right? And God's reminding them, you should love those outcasts. You should love those sojourners. You should love those people who are less than you because there was a time when you were those people. There was a time when you were a sojourner. There was a time when you were a slave. There were a time when you were less than. There was a time when people could kill you and your children and never blink an eye about it. And don't you ever think because I chose you, you all that. And so holiness is really humble. Anyone ever heard the phrase, holier than thou? Right? That's one of the complaints about the church, right? They're a bunch, uh, they got that holier than thou attitude, right? They're, they're special, that, that they love God more, and they're better than the rest of us. Never, ever, ever should we think because we are holy, and because we do think about God, that that makes us better than anybody else on the face of the planet. Because there was a time when I was that person on the face of the planet, Right? And so our holiness, our dedication to the Lord should never lead to arrogance or pride. That we should always accept it and bear it humbly before the world. And so for us, you know, holiness is about striving to be better, not necessarily being better. Uh, I once read an article, and I have tried to confirm this so many times. I think I've told this to you guys before. I cannot confirm it, but I know I read about it. I do believe if, if this was done, it makes sense to me. Barna tried to do a study on Christian maturity. And so they sent out this, uh, Barna's a Christian uh, research organization. And they sent out this questionnaire to try to gauge spiritual maturity. And they had a problem with it because what they found out as they dug into the study, those who were immature always rated themselves higher. And those who were actually spiritually mature rated themselves lower. And I see the truth of that because that's what being humble in our holiness means is that the, the, the better I get, the farther I realize I got to go, you know, and it's when I was really immature that I thought I had things all figured out. But the more I figure out, the dumber I realize I actually am and the further I have to go. And that's what I mean by holiness is humble, that no matter how close I get to God, all it reveals is how far I am from God. And how much more I need to rely on him, his grace, and, and his happiness. And it's not really anything I've done, but what God does in me. And finally, verses 20 through 21. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him. Hold fast to him. By his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. He goes on in verse 22 and talks about when your fathers went down to Egypt, there were 70 of them, and now you come out uh, too numerous to count. But, but just let me read those verses to you again. I'm going to read them slowly because they're powerful. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great 
and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. And holiness is just really, ultimately, end of the day, about dedication. About being completely dedicated to God. You are my God. You are my praise. You are the one I serve. You are my life. You are the name that I claim above all other names. It is all about you, and I am wholly yours, dedicated completely to you for who you are. And so I want to just give the Holy Spirit, because we're talking about our spiritual self. We're talking about that, that spirit to life we have within us and how to grow it and, and help it grow and, and, and get stronger and, and be more of in relationship with God. So let's give the Spirit something to work with. I'm going to ask a series of questions. You have been given a spiritual life. You have a spiritual self that God has brought to life in you. And He knows how to make that life healthy, strong, and vibrant as possible. This is what God knows. So I want to just encourage you to just reflect on yourself and answer a couple of questions. Um, am I striving to be happy or holy? What captures your heart? To be happy or to be holy? How many degrees of separation do you have from the world? Does the world see you as distant from it? Or, hey, you're right here along with the rest of us. How are you doing, how am I doing at being in the world and not of the world? Finally, if there's one thing I can do this week to be holy, think about one thing you could do this week to be holy. Pay more attention to God. To make sure I think about him more often and more deeply. To, to thank God for the blessing of separating me. To thank God for calling me to be holy and empowering me to be holy and giving me his spirit. Just to be grateful that I get to be his. And, and, and it's, this is a blessing and not a burden. To consider, is my heart solely belong to God? Is it, am I in a holy relationship with God or am I in a relationship with God and somebody else and something else and something else and something else? Or does God get all of my love? And then to consider, how could I up my dedication to God? What, how could I be more holy? How can I be more dedicated to God and serve him more and more because I love him alone. This is part of what it means to be who we are. We are holy. We're called to be holy, separated for God. And this is how we're to live in this world. And by doing that, we display God's love and character to the world and invite them to join our holy band.